Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zelmer, founder of Faces of TBI and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Jessica Hamal about understanding TBI. This episode is brought to you by Minnesota Functional Neurology, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in Minnesota. They've greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zalmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. For those of you who might not be familiar with me, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in January of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council. And I recently released my first book, Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal. You can learn more about me at facesoftbi.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Today, our, our guest is Jessica Heimel. She is a physical therapist and brain injury program co-champion at Health South Rehabilitation Hospital of Tom's River. Just began her career, Tom's River, in 2013 after obtaining her clinical doctorate at Drexel University in Philadelphia. In June of 2014, she became the physical therapy representative of the Brain Injury Program and took on the role of co-champion in February 2015. In June of 2016, Jess became a certified brain injury specialist, and then in March of 2017, she completed her neurodevelopmental treatment certification. Health South is one of the nation's largest providers of post-acute healthcare services, offering both facility-based and home-based post-acute services in 34 states and Puerto Rico through its network of inpatient rehabilitation hospitals, home health agencies, and hospice agencies. So, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Amy. I'm so happy to have you here. So, you know, I think I'd like to start with having you just kind of give our listeners a little bit of background of how you became, so you went to school to be a physical therapist, but what brought you to wanting to work in the brain injury program? Sure. Um, So I guess my first interest peaked in college. Uh, I went to school at Rutgers University and I majored in exercise science, not exactly a Definitely a brain injury thing. You would think maybe neurology or psychology, but um, exercise science actually kind of brought me um, to treat the brain injury population. Um, I had a final project as a senior in college, which um, had me do an internship at a local rehab hospital, and that was really my first exposure to the neurological population. Um, Following that, then I went to physical therapy school at Drexel, Uh, University in Philadelphia. Um, We had clinical rotations in physical therapy school, and I really found myself drawn to the brain injury and stroke populations, uh, which presented with really these complex deficits that ranged 
You know, there's a there's a mm-hmm. wide range of deficits that can follow after a brain injury or a stroke. Um, you know, whether it be weakness or balance disorders, but then they get into perceptual visual dysfunctions and even into the cognitive functions as well. Um, so it makes it a really rewarding population to work with. That's awesome. You know, and so you don't have like a personal connection to brain injury or stroke. Like it wasn't like uh, a family member or someone you knew that drove you to go into it. I wouldn't say it. fully on. on unconnected um i myself i play quite a bit of soccer um and (laughs) when i was in high school and in college um i myself had a you know mild concussion um it didn't you know really leave me out of school or anything but that just you know i know a little bit because of my my Mm -hmm. concussions that i've had where you know you feel the nausea the dizziness um and it can kick you out of sports for a little while um so that that's my limited exposure, you know, my personal exposure to to brain injury, other sure. than the patients that I work with. Yeah, you know, and I think that anyone who's had some personal experience, I mean, it doesn't sound like you've had, um, you know, like the full range of symptoms. But no, like I would I certainly a, wouldn't say that. <laughs> but you, but you've definitely like experienced it to some extent, and I think it's. It's so helpful when you're working with someone who gets it um, because mm-hmm. it's so hard if you've never experienced it. It's so hard to understand it, you know, and I think very, very often um, brain injury survivors are often dismissed with, you know, oh, you're just imagining it, you're making it up, there's no way it could still be lasting this long. Um, and so I think having just that little bit of personal experience with it just adds so much more value to what you are offering your patients. So um, sure. I, I hate because yeah, TBI to say, is that like invisible. You've experienced it, but <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> so today we wanted to talk about, you know, understanding TBI. And I think coming from a physical therapist's perspective, I think, you know, that this would be very interesting for, for our listeners, especially other healthcare providers that might be listening. Um, you know, what, what would be some of the biggest points that you would like to cover as far as traumatic brain injury um, and, and working as a PT with some of these patients? Um, I, I suppose that, you know, since, everybody's brain is so different. You know, we, we think mm-hmm. there's going to be certain parts that definitely have um, certain roles in, in how we move, how we think, but they can be somewhat slightly different from person to person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even with that, you know, every brain injury is different. You know, um, you know, it could be a fall or a, a car accident, but it really depends on where the brain was injured as to what kind of, you know, side effects or symptoms that you would get after that type of injury. And it can just vary so, so widely um, to what that Mm -hmm. patient can experience, you know, in the acute phase, which is what I'm more familiar with. um, But even afterwards, you know, how long it takes to really recover from a brain injury can, can vary. Yeah, and I think that is so misunderstood because I hear all the time from survivors who've been told by their doctor that, well, you know, you're you're six months out, you're nine months out, you're two years out. There's no way you would still be having symptoms. Um, and it frustrates mm-hmm. me to no end that doctors still think this, um, you know, especially with 
all of our our more more recent discoveries and and like you're saying, no two brain injuries are the same, no two recoveries are the same, no two treatment plans are the right. same. Um, which I get makes it really frustrating for a PT or a doctor or anyone working with it um, because you really do have to feel, oh, each individual patient. You know, it's it's not like a broken arm. Okay, we have a broken arm. We have to, right. we have to put it back together and put a cast on it, right? Like it's straightforward. Right, right. <laughs> Brain right. injury is not at all straightforward. <laughs> and then the other point um, to that, you know, you're saying you're six months out and you know, you're not maybe healed all the way yet. A lot of people feel like they're six months out and their recovery is done because they've heard maybe six or one month later. But it's important to know that the recovery for the brain can keep going because the brain can keep remodeling. Um, So that's a really important point for, you know, the TBI survivors to make sure that they hold on to that, you know, keep working at it and it can get a little bit better too. Mm-hmm. You know, I was two and a half years out before I had any sort of improvement. Um, and okay. so it's like, I definitely took longer <laughs> to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that was finding the right doctor. But, you know, like, right. I mean, I had pretty much very little improvement in two and a half years. And then I found the right doctor and I had drastic improvement. Um, so, I mean, that just goes to show two and a half years out, you can still improve. It, it, there's no, you know, oh, six months too late, you're not going to improve. Yeah. So, yeah, I like, I like your point, you know, just always keep hope that you can get better. Absolutely. The brain is a really remarkable thing that we have, and it's, it's remodeling capabilities are, are just really astounding. So It's fascinating. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, what would your next point be? I feel like I cut you off um, somewhere in there. Oh, that's okay. Um, so I guess another kind of strategy that I've used to help myself learn about the brain injury population other than my patient experiences is that I've maybe used some literature to help myself and not necessarily just academic, you know, textbooks kind of stuff uh, yeah. where I'm learning, you know, different you know, ranges of brain injuries or post-concussive strategies, but just like from a caregiver or from a patient perspective. Yeah. Um, there's been a couple books that I read for like physical therapy school or even just on my leisure, you know, outside of working. Um, there was a good book called uh, Where is the Mango Princess? And I don't know if oh, you've yeah. heard of that I've one. Oh, yeah, heard of that one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's written from, it's a nonfiction book. It's written from the perspective of a caregiver. Um and it goes through the stages of her husband's recovery from this traumatic brain injury. Um, so it's a little bit academic, but it's also very, um, like, real and following what a real caregiver's perspective would be, too. Um, so that was a great book that I read and really gave me some insight into, you know, what this population is dealing with, what the caregivers are dealing with. So that mm-hmm. could be a really good recommendation for people who are trying to understand this population, you know, as healthcare providers perhaps, but even the family or caregivers who are trying to gain insight, who haven't experienced anything similar, um, it gives them a little bit of a a look into the window of what that person might be going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and and I hear often with my book, um, I hear from, from survivors that their doctors or their therapists or whomever gave it to them to read. And I think 
as a survivor, I remember in my first year, um, I was so, like, dazed and confused, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. But, like, it didn't even occur to me there was other people out there like me. And, you know, like, you go through cancer and they, like, instantly put you in a support group and, like, you know other people who've been through cancer. With a brain injury, the chances are good that you don't know someone who's been through it. And so I remember it took me almost a year. And then I found um, my stroke of insight. Um, I forget the woman's name, Jane something. Um, I, I, yeah, I know the book takes, you're talking about, sure. Yeah, it's an awesome book. And, I mean, it's a stroke. But what really got me was her determination to get better. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what lifted my spirits and motivated me. To, okay, I need to put my big girl panties on and do something here. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, to hear that my book is being given to, to people by their providers, um, that it's just, I think that's so powerful to give someone and their, and their caregiver, their family too. It gives them this tool to understand that they're not alone and for that caregiver or family member to just really understand what they're going through. Like they're not making this up because it is really easy to be like, oh my God, you're still complaining about that. You know, like I right. get it. If you've never been through it, it's really, really hard to understand. And I mean, mm-hmm. there are so many great books out there. I have a list that I've been working on. Um, there's some really great books. So that's, thank you for bringing up that point. That's reading is you know, a really simple way <laughs> to get more educated. Sure, yeah. Um, and we have for our patients here who are, you know, currently in their acute rehab stage of their brain injury, we try to make sure that they're educated on, you know, the brain, what it does, what to expect maybe after a brain injury. But we certainly try to incorporate family involvement too with that, um, you know, whether it be that they are coming to the class with them um, to learn themselves. Uh, we also try to maybe get them involved with their therapy, too, because it's a, it's a motivator for them. Um, and we do try to make them aware of support groups that are in the area, whether it's a traumatic brain injury support group or uh, we do see um, quite a bit of, like, cancer um, tumors uh, for our brain injury population here. Mm-hmm. So we try to hook them up with some support groups for that as well. Absolutely. And I think support groups are really powerful. I think even just the social socialization aspect of a support group is really, really powerful because we often get isolated because, um, you know, we have overstimulation. It's hard for us to go out mm-hmm. to eat or go to a party. Um, you know, we, we become much more homebodied, <laughs> um, especially in those early months of recovery. Um, so having some form of socialization where other people get it and they don't think you're weird for wearing earbuds and having sunglasses on at night. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a song about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that should be my theme song. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But it's tricky because it is this, like, invisible injury um, that, you you know, you can't see that the person's wearing a cast anymore (laughs) um, if you're talking about a broken arm, you know. Um, And the brain takes longer to heal than (laughs) soft tissue injuries. Not that they're, you know, simple or anything, but the the, the orthopedic side, usually there's a progression. It's you know where it's going Mm -hmm. versus neurological healing is is a little bit different. 
and certainly takes a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's frustrating for all parties involved. Mm-hmm. Sure, and it, it's good to be, as healthcare providers, it's good for us to be kind of agile in our treatment sessions with those patients because one day they, they might have a really good day, but then they could be exhausted from doing that good day. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, that can, that can peak some of those, like, behaviors that maybe they don't really mean to have come out, um, but it's mm-hmm. because they're, they're restless, they're agitated, and it's, it, they don't mean for them to be coming out, but they do anyway. And they maybe present with people that they feel comfortable with, you know, and it might be towards their therapist or it might be towards the nurse that they have every day or it might be towards, like, their family members even. Um, so we try to – you just- you know, work with them, but, you know, tailor the, the environment, make it a quieter environment. Uh, you know, wearing the sunglasses at night, we'll try to turn off the lights a little mm-hmm. bit too. Um, you know, make it a quieter environment, not, not have the radio blasting, not be in a busy gym so that they can do the work that they can do that day. You know, and, and you just kind of brought up a thought for me too is, you know, often um, – our doctor appointments tend to be, you know, in, in the, the mid-morning range, right? And so you're sure. going to your doctor or your therapist, and you're still, like, my peak is from 10 a.m. to 2. That's, that's when I'm my best. If you see me at, like, 4.30, I might be much more sluggish. I might be more slurry with my words. I might have a harder time mm-hmm. coordinating my, my, my motor movements, you know, so I think it's, you know, important for people to think about that and to schedule some of their appointments later um, when they know yeah, that they're more fatigued. Because I think it's important for the doctors and the people working with you to see that so that you can work together to try and, like, combat that, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense, absolutely. Because sometimes I'll have a patient and I'll always have them in the morning. Um, but then the occupational therapist might have them later on in the day so they're not having, you know, back-to-back-to-back therapy. Um, And they're seeing a side of that patient that I never see because the patient's, for me, not not tired, not exhausted yet. Um, You know, (laughs) and then they maybe get them in the afternoon and their tiredness has caught up with them and they are not handling therapy so well. So it is good Mm -hmm. to kind of change it up and make sure we're seeing all the the sides so we can better help and better adjust um, that person, uh, give them some strategies to help. And, and I really liked your point a little bit earlier about how, you know, like you said, yesterday might've been a really good day and they did awesome. And then the next day they come in and they're cranky and, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, they're And it can be discouraging and, for that person too. Yes. yes. I remember but then we have to, you know, let them know. Those, <laughs> right. And I remember having those ups and downs and those peaks and valleys, and it was so like, what is wrong with me? Yesterday I was able mm-hmm. to do this. Now why can't I do it today? You know, today just walking up my stairs in my bedroom is enough to make me have to take a nap. Um, right. So I think it's important to help them understand that that's normal, so to speak, um, and not to be afraid of it. Because I think, I know for me, when I would feel set back, or I'd feel like I had a couple good days and then I had a couple really bad days. I'd be like, what is wrong with me? Like, I didn't understand that that was the ebb and flow of a recovery. And mm-hmm. it, it was really scary because it was like, 
okay, is there something more wrong with me? Like, are we missing something? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah definitely it, was, that it was really kind of discouraging. Yeah. Yeah, that fear of regressing or that was my peak and I'm not going to get back to it. I need to get back mm-hmm. to those good days, um, which can be scary, definitely, um, and discouraging. But as the therapist or maybe the person working with them, you have to let them know that eh, it's kind of how it works. You go up a little bit, you have a good day, yeah. a really good day, and then it might go down a little bit in between or maybe even back down to where we were. But you want to see that, you know, overall trend going up. That's that's the idea. Um, and it might take, you know, it's a, it's a long progression. It might take a couple months. It might take years. Um, but the overall status is hopefully that they're making improvements. Mhm. Absolutely. Um it's okay so I feel like I sidetracked you. So <laughs> what are That's some okay. other points? <laughs> We're having a good conversation. I'm loving it. <laughs> um you know, it's it's difficult cuz oftentimes people are always wondering, you know, how long is it going to take me to get better? Um but there's not really that full exact answer to that question. Um so just giving them the reinsur- reassurance that we're here to help you get as good as you can be um, and working together to, you know, set a goal and maybe reach that goal, whether it be a very simple short-term goal, but seeing that progress and that you've maybe made it um, always, always is something to, to look forward to and, and is some form of encouragement when you're on a long road of recovery that a brain injury can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember early on, I was told I should feel better in four to six weeks. And then oh, at yeah. six weeks, I was told, oh, it could take like six months. And then, oh, it could take a year. And it was so frustrating because, again, you, you, it scares you. Like, why am I not better? They said I should be better, you know. And I think having a, a more realistic expectation of hopefully you'll be feeling better in six months, but, you know, this could take up to a year or so. You know, I think just having, like, on the one hand, you don't want to be discouraging, but on the other hand, you don't want to Mm -hmm. set unrealistic expectations. Sure, yeah. Um, And that that can definitely be tricky with with a brain injury because some people do recover in that short amount of time. Um, yes, but some people mm-hmm. certainly don't because it's just it's so tricky to understand what type of impact the, the particular injury that they had is going to have on them. Because um, we talk about you know having injuries to the brain maybe in one area, but that's not even necessarily true because you could fall and maybe hit your hit the back of your head, um, but your brain can kind of move around inside your skull and kind of rebound and kind of bump a couple different places, which is a a tricky part where you might have a bump on your head on on the outside, only on one spot, but you could have injuries to more than one spot within the brain because the brain's kind of bumping around inside your skull. Um, Mm -hmm. So that makes it tricky that you maybe only expect one point of injury, but then there's multiple. So it can like take longer to recover from those multiple hits on the head. Absolutely. All right, Jess, what else is on your list? We're getting down to about the last five minutes. Time flies quickly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and certainly I think it's important for people to understand that not all brain injuries are traumatic brain injuries too. I know this segment is on understanding yes. 
TBI, traumatic brain injury, but we certainly see, you know, a whole, a whole slew of injuries. Um, yes. You know, you have your traumatic brain injuries that can either come with a bleed or not a bleed. Um, some people say, oh, there's no bleed to the brain, so they must not have an injury, but concussion is one of the, the biggest injuries that we have. Um, certainly covered in all ranges of ages. Um, we maybe hear about it the most with like the sports injuries, just because the, they're the ones in the media. But the concussions happen for so many people, and I, yourself included, I believe, right? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then just beyond even just your traumatic brain injuries, you have things like hydrocephalus, where there can be a buildup of extra fluid inside the skull. And that puts pressure on the brain very similar to the concussion-like symptoms. Um, and I mentioned earlier we have you know, brain tumors. They're certainly a population that we definitely see similar deficits um, as our traumatic brain injuries because a certain part of the brain was injured. Um, so it's, there's a wide expanse of those traumatic brain injuries, but there's also an expanse of just those acquired brain injuries that aren't from trauma necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and it's interesting um, with, you know, stroke, aneurysms, um, those, those types of acquired brain injuries. And, you know, they sometimes feel like they don't belong in the same category as TBI. But at the same time, we all have very similar symptoms and recoveries and issues. Um, and, you know, in your experience, what, okay, I know what I'm trying to say, but I'm having a hard time getting it out. <laughs> I feel like sometimes doctors know more what to do with a stroke or an aneurysm. It's more black and white. They have a bleed, we have to fix it, and now there's damage right. that we have to help them go through. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. a traumatic brain injury is the same thing thing so to speak you just don't have that very specific thing to fix does that make sense um yeah i hope i'm trying to i'm not trying I get to what you're saying, yeah. anybody's condition by saying this <laughs> no but it's just those the, the strokes or those aneurysms they're usually pretty focal in the brain they're only usually like in this one spot and certainly they can have impacts on multiple things so with a traumatic brain injury, you maybe have one focal spot, but you can have a lot of diffuse kind of injuries too because it's, it's trauma. It was one blunt hit, yes. but the whole brain kind of gets rattled in there. Um, yes. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not just, yeah, if you had a subdural hematoma, they might try to evacuate it if you're talking about a doctor fixing it. Um, but from there, you also have that whole diffuse injury to the brain that you have to deal with, which a doctor maybe has problems addressing um, with, you know, intervention. But, you know, you, that's why we have that whole interdisciplinary team approach to try and help um, cope and readjust to that, that brain injury. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that whole with a traumatic brain injury, that blunt force and, and the brain, you know, it does, it gets bounced around. There's, there's, you know, your, you have your skull, you have the fluid, and then you have your brain, and it literally kind of bounces around. So, you know, like mm-hmm. I landed on the back of my skull, so I'm sure that was like my main impact point for my, my brain injury. Sure. But it had to, you know, done its little back and forth ping pong thing in there. And um, <laughs> it's, it's 
kind of hard to think about at times that that happened to me. But um, sure, absolutely, but, you know, and it, it is one of the things that my patients will struggle with too when we're talking about those injuries in the group. Some of them are like, I don't know if I can really handle this, and that you know, yeah. that's fine. That's completely understandable because it's something that happened to your brain. You might not want to think about it right now, um, uh-huh. but we just want to make sure that they have the information if they did want it. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard to think about sometimes. I'm kind of like getting heaved <laughs> out right now. <laughs> <laughs> but Jessica, thank you so much for being here. We are just about out of time and I'm always amazed at how quickly the 30 minutes flies by, but thank you so much for being here. This is really great conversation and I think some really great information for our listeners. So thank you so much. You are so welcome, Amy, and it was a pleasure to be here with you. I'm glad Thank I could you. And shed some light into understanding TBI. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you guys all gained um, that golden nugget of information today. And, again, be sure to visit facesoftbi.com to listen to any previous podcasts that we have had. Um, we're up to 40 45 episodes now, so that's pretty exciting. So be sure to check that out at facesoftbi.com. And thanks again to our sponsor, Minnesota Functional Neurology, the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain rehabilitation in Minnesota. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. And I hope to see you all again next time. Have a great day, everyone. And until next time, thanks for being part of my journey. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.